Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Okay, this is um, try number three for us because <laughs> we had a laughing attack by the fact that we're both wearing stripes and we wish that fruit stripe gum would... Be part of your episode. That's what he's going <laughs> to yeah, tell yeah. me. We just, we just, we wanted them to... Remember that fruit stripe gum? What is it My called grandma when always gave me there was a, a zebra on it. Yeah, yeah. What's this called? Someone pays for it. Yeah, he wants us to be sponsored by Fruit Stripe Gum. Maybe. Everyone. I'm a dreamer. Okay, speaking of dreams, the book of Revelation. This is fantastic. Because it just, it really is kind of wild, like a dream. Don't okay. you feel like when you're this done? This is going to be a fun part, too. You're going to love this part because we debated what to do, and then we were like, let's just get in it. Don't you just want to get in it? Yeah. So yeah. there's so much in this book. It kills us to like hop through and through, but. You just have to, and we've just picked this part that we want to. We do want to start in Revelation chapter 12. Um, the only thing we want to talk about in Revelation 12 is starting in verse 7, there's this mention of this red dragon who has all of these heads and horns and crowns and everything, which remember when you think symbolically, if something has a lot of different heads, it means that it is everywhere. Like, And so every time you see depictions of evil that are big or have a lot of heads or horns. Horns were a symbol of power. It just kind of shows you they're in every aspect of life. Like and, it's and infiltrated. And heads are usually heads of government. So you, you see a lot of crowns, you see horns, and you see heads. And all of it would represent power, government, evil, leadership, yeah, evil, just, a, a lot of that going on. And it's like a hydra. You know, it's just kind of like every which way. But you see in verse 7, it mentions this war in heaven. Chapter 12, verse 7, And Michael and his angels fought against this dragon, and the dragon fought against those angels, and the dragon prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the, that great dragon was cast out, the old servant, the devil, and Satan. And he was cast out. And what's awesome is, like, this is halfway through the book. Um, remember, it's kind of talking about the book was written to give hope um, for those that live in the latter days. But it does this flashback to this battle that was fought against the dragon way earlier. Um, this is in pre-mortal life. And it's awesome because it's giving you this, this right before it jumps into this really freaky battle for souls, is what we're calling it. It lets you know this battle's already been fought and this battle has already been won. Mm -hmm. So before you get into that at all, it's like, look, it already, it's already, he's already been cast out and beaten. And how, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, and they loved not their lives unto death. Mm. Three things, the, the sacrifice and atonement of Christ, the, their, their conviction and belief in him, the word of their testimonies, and that they um, love, that they cared more about him than they did about their own lives, that he was their number one. And, and he gives you the key and he just shows you that. And then That's the how it was won before. So, so if you're wondering, because that battle is going to come to earth. That, that whole battle is going to be thrust down to earth. And we're going to fight that same battle again, which is what we're doing right now. Right. And he wants us to remember, this is how we overcame it the first time. That was the key. So keep that in mind as we're moving into, now we're going to watch it be laid out again. What does it look like, immortality, that yeah. battle? So that's what several chapters are like that. And when you read, you might notice that he like jumps time 
a lot because he's just like, okay, that was the pre-mortal battle. This is how it was won. Okay, now under Earth, this is what it looks like in one of its aspects. Looks like this. And then he'll move way ahead to like, oh, look at everybody saved in the celestial kingdom. <laughs> and then he comes back and he's like, but then this is what it looks like also. But he, So he just kind of keeps like, don't worry. I don't, he's like kind of like a mom covering her kids during a scary movie. You know, it's just like, it gets, <laughs> it's be okay. it gets better. It, gets... <laughs> it ends good. There's hope in the end. So, uh, but then come back and let me show you what you're up against. Yeah, with all this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, we want to camp for a little bit in chapter 17. Yep, 17, 18, and, and 19. That is where we're going to live. For the battle. The, that's part, the battle. Whole, oh, well, we go, we go happily ever after. She tried right. to forget the best part. Okay. The best part. So 17 is, you're introduced in 17. So the way we like to look at this is, um, we call, oh, we better move because Oh, yeah, I you're going to want to see all this. Um, we call this the battle for souls. And we have this thing that we call the three-pronged attack. Um, that these are kind of the three main ways that um, the adversary is attacking um, those that live on the earth. This is what the battle kind of looks like. So we have to remind you, remember, you have to use your imagination. You're thinking figuratively. Um, you're going to be introduced, and we will be introduced in chapter 17, verse 3. You're going to be introduced to a woman who sits on a scarlet-covered beast. And we're going to talk about that. And then um, we also are going to be introduced to Babylon. We're going to read through those things. And when you're looking at it at first read, you're like, okay, so we're talking about a beast and a harlot. That's what the woman is sometimes called. And a city and Babylon. And you could read it and think he's talking about that. And then we have no idea what's even happening. But it's easier as you're reading through to realize the beast actually represents something. The woman represents something. The city represents something. And so... The beast, as you're reading through, um, we're, we're going to give you a hint right now, and then we're going to look at how it comes out. The beast is political power. The harlot represents false doctrine. Babylon represents economic temptation. Yeah, or um, simply put. Power, apostasy, and money. That's what the fight is against. So you're kind of watching for that all the way through. So same dragon but just different manifestations of it. And you'll notice as you read it, super fluid. Like you get introduced to this beast and he's like a lion and a bear and a sea monster, like, like all the things at the same time. And then all of a sudden he comes back and the woman's riding on top of him and you're sort of like, wait, what, what's going on? What's happening? And, and you're just getting this idea of chaos, number one, and number two, that they all, they, they all are kind of the same force of evil manifests different ways. So in 17.3 we start and it says, um, he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. So John's going to watch what's happening and he's in the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns um, and so complete power and all, or complete leadership and all power is what you would translate that into and the woman was arrayed and then he's going to start explaining to you what this woman looked like. And we left you a little box right here so you can write down, um, this is a little bit what this woman looks like. And let's say this for just a second about her, the fact that she's a harlot, which is not a really happy topic to say. But there, this is the opposite of love. So all throughout the book you get you know, opposites, right? A dragon and a lamb and Babylon and the great city of heaven. Like there's just all these opposites. And she just represents... Um, lust, like um, money, um, seduction, um, is not committed or faithful to one single person, but is just where, wherever mm -hmm. 
you know, wherever she's taken sort of thing. So there's a reason that like the, why is the beast red? Why is she mm -hmm. a harlot? All yeah. those and things. And we're going to kind of talk about that. So she's dressed in purple and scarlet color, which is interesting because purple and scarlet can be colors of royalty. And um, we use scarlet a lot when we talk about Jesus, about atonement. And um, those can be two positive words. In Hebrew, they can also represent wealth and sin and excess. So it's so interesting that what she's clothed in is a mimic of what you might be looking for, but the opposite of what you would be looking for. Because those are the colors that are actually on the door of the temple, and the high priest in the temple would wear those also. Everybody reading this would have known, wait a second, those are like... Yeah, why, sacred why is she colors. Why colors? is she? And so it wants to show you, you sacrilege. Is... Yeah, That's what, you... what it's trying yeah, okay. to show you is she is, um, she's making a mockery of that which is sacred. Okay, good. I was hoping you were going to say that. Perfect. Yeah, okay, I did. Yeah. And um, she's decked with gold. So it's interesting that word decked. Um, and where we talked about earlier, gold can also be a good color. But in this sense, and because it tells us she's decked with gold, it would be temporal power and worldliness that's that's what she's exhibiting it's just too much of what she has on and it's so interesting because spoiler alert the whole chapter ends with a description of the golden city of the city of zion of, of the heavenly city and it is actually decked with precious mm -hmm. stones and gold and all those yeah, things it's, it's funny that she's wearing all of right them. right all the it's she almost wants the, to be what we're looking for, but but it's the sacrilegious. Yeah, that. she's like a um, a false version of happiness and hope and joy mm -hmm. and love. It's just like, it's almost like these are things that you think are going to satisfy you, but when they're done the wrong way, yeah, they won't. You know, and it's interesting because again, that city that we're, that final city is going to have an abundance. It's going to have a fullness. It's going to be complete. And she's carrying in her hand a golden cup, and it says um, it's full, right? It's got that fullness, but what the fullness is, is abominations and filthiness of her fornication. It's impurity, it's moral filth, it's idolatry, it's all of these things. And, and she's just like decked in it. She's just, it's, it's all about who she is. She's and upon nasty. her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So she's just like too much. That is what she is. And so in that box, you might have written words that are like wealth, sin, sacrilege, worldliness, pride, impurity, moral filth, idolatry, war, bloodshed. This is that woman. That yeah. is who she is. And remember also that it's that is also a play off of the high priest. Remember, used to have on his forehead holiness to the Lord written there. And there's an image in the book of Revelation also that everybody can be marked with holiness mm -hmm. to the Lord on them. Everybody can be a high priest or priestess or a king or queen. And so again, she is just like the... Yeah, instead of having false, that holy yeah. mark... Um, she's written Babylon across, right? This is what I'm. This is what I want to become. This is what I'm advertising. Is this? And um, it's interesting because in verse 15 of chapter 17, um, remember this woman is sitting on water. Remember how we read that? She's on the beast, um, full of names, and she's arrayed in clothes, and she's and she's sitting on this water. And the water it tells us in verse 15 is. The waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So in other words, she's everywhere. Yeah. She's it's it's all over. And we we left you, it's all nations, all people, all tongues. Um, 
all multitudes. Like it, this is happening everywhere. And I love that it's going to give us a description in 18, 12 through 13 of what they're selling in this city. And it is so interesting because you just, you feel the excess of her to begin with. But then as, as they go into this Babylon, which is what she represents, it's going to tell you, here's what they're selling. Gold, silver, precious stones. You're going to want to do this with your kids. And you just want to have them start making this list because what happens at the end of the list is so interesting. So they just want to list, this is what's for sale. Imagine going down a market and you're going to see gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple and silk and scarlet and wood and vessels of ivory and um, brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horse and chariots. You can just see all of this. And then the last two things are, they just stand out to me every time. I, they a little bit like catch my breath mm -hmm. when I read them because, and they're also selling slaves and souls of men. That is what is for sale in this place. Isn't that interesting to think that's what Babylon is going to be at the end and, and people are going to be selling the souls of men. That's mm -hmm. what's going to happen. Right. That's the business of Babylon is to sell people for things, to trade things for what is really important, right? To... And that's like at the heart and soul of all this. So it's telling you all this stuff, you know, but really it's all just a covering for the real attack and the real battle here is is for people, mm -hmm. right? Um, so you've got this, um, just makes you feel like it's this overwhelming, like it's everywhere, it's in all things, it's penetrated. And it's just sort of like, ah, I think that we are losing. But there is an awesome description right at the end, which is, the fall of Babylon and the fall of this woman. And are you going to do this part right here? Because we love this part. Oh, yeah. So the call is, um, let's start with that and okay. just say this. Um, there is this call in chapter 18, um, which is verse 4, and it says to come out of her. Come out of Babylon and be not partakers of her sins and receive not her plagues. Um, it is this call. I love that there was that reference to she is in all people and nations and multitudes and, and tongues. But we also see a description of that is that God sends his servants to all people and nations and multitudes and tongues. And the call is come out of Babylon. That is not where you want to be. That is not the, the, the riches that you want to be seeking. These are lies. These are, this is a fake. This is a mockery. Come out of Babylon. And, yep, and, and let go of her delicacies and let go of all the delicious things that are in there and the excess. And he's just like, get, get out of there, come out of there. And sometimes we read this and we are overwhelmed by, um, just how much wickedness and excess and, and you, and the seven horns and the 10 heads and the, everything that's going on. And you're like, how, how are we going to get through that part? And we love that, um, starting in 17 and then going through 18, you're going to see um, that he keeps telling us this is just going to be a short time. In fact, he tells us like five times, I think, it's just going to be one hour. That's what it's going to be. It's just going to be one hour that this is going to happen. Almost as if he's going to say to you, this is going to be really hard and it's going to feel really big and like a lot, but you just have got to remember it's just going to be one hour. Yeah, and this great city that everybody thought couldn't fall and this dragon that was undefeated. What's so neat about it is we didn't do this chapter, but like you get introduced to this demon creature, this red dragon, which is represented by the harlot and the city and, and, and the beast. 
and uh, and and then they call for this champion, and it is a lamb mm. that that was slain. And uh, it's interesting because you're like, no, there's no way that that lamb could be like, why do we, why did we not pick like a seven headed lion or something like that? And of all, that's one of Jesus' titles. Why did you come as the lion or something? And he comes as this lamb. And it's just so powerful that it's like, no, the greatest power on earth is love. And the greatest power is sacrifice, right? And that is what's going to defeat it. And how quickly can love and sacrifice defeat evil? One hour. He says, this great city will fall and everything that used to be there won't be there anymore. And I love thinking about that with... Yeah, do you want to do with, that part um, while you're at it right now? Yeah. I love... If you go into like chapter 18, um, you have this um, during the war, verse 14. 17, wo- actually. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 17, 14. Right? Um, right? The verse right before it says, They all have one mind and they're going to give their power and strength to the beast. Like this, this is the part that you force, love because there's this you know? huge beast and then everyone's like, And we will send. <laughs> and we will send. <laughs> right? Verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. And we love that part. And you could use similar words would be invited, elect, and believing, right? It's just this group of people that he's like, anyone who wants to come and be on this side, come. Everyone's invited. Right. You get to choose. You were, you were invited. You were chosen to come and elect. Um, you're called. You're elect in that moment. You're believing. It's just those are the words that are going to win this war. And Those are the fa- qualities. Yeah, and we love that the end of um, chapter 18, verse 24, it says, And in her, when it was all said and done, in, in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and all who were slain upon the earth. And don't worry, they're going to get resurrected in the next chapter, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> but um, the fact that the blood of the prophets are there and of the saints in that place means that God gave Babylon and the harlot and the beast every single chance that he kept sending saints and he kept sending the prophets in, in and they were rejected, but it's plural. Like there were several chances um, that were given, you know, for to be called park. and invited and, and welcomed uh, out of that place. And, and I love thinking about this in like um, with people that you may know or situations that you're in. Like you have this whole grand scheme, like the great battle for the souls of men, but really each all of us can think about one individual person that we're battling for. And you see a name and you see a face. And the promise is that that person is called chosen and, and can believe. And that person's problems, whatever they are, can fall in an hour and fall in a day. They're not, over, they're not too overwhelming. They're not too big, you know, for the Lamb of God. Sacrifice, love are, are going to win this battle. Mm-hmm. And it's just a book that's really filled with hope. Like it's yeah. a scary chapter, but then like there is just hope that's all throughout it. Um, and then it moves in starting in chapter 19 for just the like the longest happily ever after that there ever was in the whole wide world. That once that um, falls and drops, then here comes the imagery of hope coming into your life or of the second coming at the very end. So you can look at it at the end of the big, big battle 
or you can look at it at the end of your individual battle here in Mortality. But 19 is fantastic. It just starts with the King of Kings riding in on a horse. On a white horse. White horse that oh. you're invited. Remember he? Yeah. Part. Remember when he came on a donkey? Yeah, yeah. That's now the thing, he's right? gonna come on this white horse, and he's got I, just every description of him. You are in love with as you go. And we've left you places to write down. Write down the description of the King of Kings. Write down the description of the bride. Write down the description of the wedding. And what's so awesome is, remember this imagery that's all throughout the scriptures. It's just like, when he came the first time was sort of like the engagement, right? I promise, I'm promising myself to you. I'm going to give you the ring. Then when he comes for the second coming, it's the marriage and it's the celebration. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I told you. I was yours. I told you I would keep my promises. I told you you would be mine. And the description of the wedding is fantastic. And you're invited to the wedding. Everybody is. You actually are the bride at the wedding. Mm -hmm. So there's descriptions in there about get ready for that wedding. Be excited for it. Um, and then, what you're going to eat. I mean, it's just everything. Yeah. It just lays out for you this awesome... Um, yeah, it's just you can't wait for that. What part. that lady offered you is not what you wanted. This is what you actually want. What she offered was fake. It wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't going to satisfy the soul. Yeah, it wasn't lasting. Right. And so um, there is this description and then there's just this list and you can just, you know, um, fill in the different things. And it's just like a, um, like a, a spot check, Get you know, some because ideas it's like um, Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. Um, there is going to be the resurrection that is going to happen. Um, there is going to be this great white throne. I love in chapter 21, it says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a holy city that is going to be there. Um, my One of my favorite verses of all time is Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying. Mm -hmm. Neither shall there be any pain for all those former things are going to be passed away. And you And you think about that imagery. Uh, of that right there and like again we're all like involved in this battle for for people that that we love and things are hard and there's setbacks and I love the thought that don't worry one day God comes and wipes away all tears from their eyes and that's such an intimate like image like there's a very very small list of people that I would allow to wipe tears off of my face and so it shows you just this like really loving and close relationship all the bad things like gone, you know, and the city is described and, and your names on the gates when you come in. And you're going to see the number 12 over and over in the book of Revelation. So it would be really good to um, maybe just talk about like in this city, you see it everywhere. You see 12 by itself. You see 24, which is 12 twice. Um, a couple times we read 144,000, which is 12 squared. Um, and one of the things that 12 means, the number 12, is um, it's a representation of priesthood and of gathering. So anytime you see a, a divisible, is that the word, a division? A, oh, a, uh, yeah. a thing of 12. A denominator. A denomination. I'm just of, I don't know what the, we do. <laughs> neither of us do math, everybody. Um, but you want to immediately be thinking priesthood. In and, your head. And when you think priesthood, what you want to think are covenants, mm -hmm. are, are covenants that are made, relationship and promises. That is what, not holding the priesthood, but rather the promises that can be made and promised and given to you through yep. priesthood ordinances. It would be this representation, representative of priesthood, including its power and its right to govern, perfection of government, 
Um, it's found as a multiple and all that has to do with rule. So it's just, when you see those 12s, you're gonna think of the 12 tribes, you're gonna think of um, just the God's priesthood in its fullness, just overseeing everything that's happening there. But um, a lot, you're, you read about 24 elders at one point, four and 20 elders. That would just be a fullness of priesthood there. You're also, um, you'll see the 144,000. Again, it's, that's not 144,000 people. He's talking about the fullness of the priesthood family. That is what he's talking about there. It's people, it's covenant makers, covenant keepers, and covenant becoming. That's what is represented by that number 12. And the end game, remember it was in Revelation chapter one, and then now it here is again at the end of the book of Revelation, is the, a fullness of the priesthood, or a fullness of becoming is to become kings and queens mm -hmm. and priests and priestesses. It's so just the it's fulfillment very, of the temple. Yeah. That's, that's what you're looking for. And the priesthood promises that are made within temple covenants, those are kind of the thoughts you want to be having as you're going through it's these last very, chapters. very, very, very temple-y book. temple is not a word, but just so <laughs> you know, like put on your temple eyes when you read through the book of Revelation, for sure. And then we love, where, are we at the end? Uh, yes, let's just go right. You just The whole description, you just had so much fun with that. And, and use your imagination, remember, in your head or your thumb. And just, <laughs> how does it make you feel? And what's it seeing? All the symbolism. And then you get to and 22. And you get to one of my favorite parts ever. <gasps> oh, it's so this is good. Um, and it's going to start out, and he shows me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. Now, I, I just want you to think about this for a minute, because remember, we talked about clear back last week, two weeks ago, actually, because it's Christmas. The tree of life, Elder Bednar taught us, represents Jesus Christ. And um, the fruit of that tree is everything that comes through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so they're coming out of this living water, which is also representative of Jesus Christ. This pure water is this tree. And the tree has 12 manner of fruits and she yieldeth her fruit every month. And this is what I love about it. I, and why doesn't someone want to draw the tree? Because I just want to see the tree with all its different fruits. And in my mind, it's like, it's what you need in that season. And as you look at the different months, it's how the atonement of Jesus Christ and his grace and, and him and Jesus and his character and his gifts and everything that he is, it's just gonna bless you. That's what's gonna happen in every month, in every season, in whatever you're up against and the fruit that you need for that moment. That's the picture that he's painting. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And I love this thought about that water that gives life and that tree that gives fruit and the leaves that give healing. It's just such a beautiful picture of Jesus. We're gonna end again at the end of the book of Revelation with this picture of who Jesus is and what he does. And then I love in verse 17 when it says, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let them heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. It seems like that is the invitation of the book of Revelation. Like anybody who wants to come on this team, on this side, on this fight, um, on what is going to happen here, anybody 
can, we want everybody. Everybody's invited. Everyone is a, a part. We saved a seat for you. You are welcome here. You belong in this place. And whatever your need is, like he can satisfy it, right? If, if It's all the different types of fruits and it's leaves that heal the nations. And if you started to go through, like, what are all the problems that are being faced in all the different nations of the world right now? It's like he, that imagery is like, I've got the solution for whatever it is that you're facing in your own family or in your own heart or in your own relationship. Like, it does not matter what it is that you're facing. He's got the solution for it. And so the invitation is to come and it costs you nothing. It cost yeah. him everything but it will cost you nothing to just come. And and I love that John who writes this, you know, wrote at the very beginning of John chapter one in the gospels, come and see. That was the invitation to anyone that was curious or anyone that was in need. Um, you come and see. And the, and the invitation is, is still the same. Come, because what you're going to find here is exactly what, what you needed. And you love the very end, and maybe we can just go there at the very, very end, the last four sentences here. I love when he says, surely I come quickly, because does it feel like it is happening quickly? It's like Grace's mission. At the beginning, <laughs> it was going so slow. But you know how at the end, all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's it's going to come. And um, then I love well, this. And, and, and not just, I've just been thinking about this because of our conversation before, but not just him coming quickly back to the earth, which he really should hurry, but <laughs> but when he says you you come unto me, you come and I will come quickly to you, that you won't have to wait for for me to start showing up in your life. You won't have to wait to start receiving the healing and the beginning of of the fruits and everything. He's like, I'm gonna come into your life really quickly. I love that part, and then um, I love this prayer just from John. And I feel like it is the prayer of all of us. And it so much makes me want to listen to that um, song so that come. I love. I even knew, so come. I knew. We will put it on here. Um, he says, even so come, Lord Jesus. And um, we're going to show you this new song. And it's going to become your favorite song. I, I think it's by Christy Knuckles. And it's um, The Passion. And I think it's called Even So Come. But we will put it in our stories. And you'll be able to find it. And then I love that the last advice he gives us, the last blessing he leaves with everybody is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Like he's like, if, the, if I could tell you anything, if there was anything that is going to get you through from when I write this letter until when Jesus shows up, it's grace. You just got to hold on to grace. And it becomes so important for us to figure out what does that look like in my life? What does that mean? What is the gift of grace that he's talking about there? And and asking us to hold on to. And really it is, it's that line that follows Christ be with you all. It's just Jesus in our lives. It's yeah. Jesus working in us and us reflecting that in our life. That is grace. And then who loves when it ends with the end, but you particularly love what his looks like. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> look at my scriptures. I crossed out end because I just was like, wait, that's not the end. There's more coming, you know, next year, Book of Mormon. And don't miss this. But really, <laughs> but like, Jesus. but Jesus, there's no end to the good he's going to bring and what he's and what he's going to provide. His invitation is to come. And I love that John's invitation back to him is and, and please come into our lives mm -hmm. and, and never stop.
don't don't let there ever be an end to that. Did you love the New Testament, everyone? Is Guys, it one of your favorite books? Now we did it. We did the whole New Testament. Woohoo! Like oh, did do. you just run a marathon? That's what it feels like. Cross you the did stripes. it, everyone. You did it. This is a that finish is so line. Good. You thought it was stripes. It's actually oh, a finish line. Okay. All right. We are gonna see you in the Book of Mormon. Okay. Yay! See you then. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.